Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. And his family on the sporting radio this weekend as an opportunity for Ghana to pick up a world title. Pops up. Undefeated American and never been down. Now going to the body is Isaac Dorbe. Trying to find an uppercut. Good right hand to the body as well. He stops looking for that body shot. He's looking for it. Those body shots are set up for his hair shots. Magdaleno The vacant WBO World Featherweight title is on the line this Saturday as Ghana's Isaac Dogbe is scheduled to face Cuban boxing rising star Robesi Ramirez at Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in the United States. We'll bring you a special preview from my man Nathaniel Lato on the grounds at the moment. Club football returns and the stiff title race in the German Bundesliga continues. Barcelona continue to put some daylight between themselves and their closest challengers Real Madrid. Napoli lead the way in the Serie A and Paris Saint-Germain are almost on to another title with minimum distraction. We will preview all games to come and bring you some understanding to key our plots ahead. In England, Arsenal and Manchester City continue their battle for supremacy. Boy, back to Saka. Absolutely glorious from Arsenal. Palace cannot live with this brilliance. Can't get the ball clear. Repeated do respond and some with another memorable goal, another clinical strike from the sensational Saka. The team talk, he might be giving them another one, 2-0, Erling Haaland again. Haaland with a layoff back to Mares. Mares into the gap, Foden scores, no he's at the post, oh and you know who, you know who, he's got another City hat-trick. 
Manchester City play Liverpool and Arsenal are involved as well on Saturday. We preview all games to come with special emphasis on the title race, top four and relegation scrap. We will be in Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix in Formula 1 and in the US to bring you updates from the ongoing Miami Open. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Ander Jr. and welcome to The Locker Room. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Thanks for staying with us on The Locker Room as always. It's an absolute pleasure to come your way with a quick preview to the sporting weekend. Get you right on in terms of what to expect in this uh, window. And there's so much to come. So let's settle and get ourselves ready as we go through this. Let's begin then with boxing. What Dog Bay can do. Coming straight at Magdaleno. Undefeated American and never been down. Now going to the body is Isaac Dog Bay. Trying to find an uppercut. Good right hand to the body as well. He stalks looking for that body shot. He's looking for it. Those body shots are set up for his head shots. Magdaleno sitting right there. Yes, there's a world title on the line in America this Saturday. And Rebecca Ramirez takes on Isaac Dogby for the vacant WBO featherweight title. Ramirez most recently forced Jose Matias at the Madison Square Garden and knocked out his opponent in October last year. Isaac Dogby was last in the ring against Joet Gonzalez in July 2022, which resulted in a split decision victory for the Ghanaian as he won the WBO international featherweight strap. So... What can we expect? Joining me now is our boxing expert, Thalato, who has been, or who was at the weigh session earlier today and has been involved heavily in Joy Sports' month-long build-up to this big fight. Thank you very much, Nat, for your time on the show, as always. Uh, look, Dogwish trainers in the Joy Sports build-up series, which has been running, have spoken about his focus in the ring. But beyond that, how else can Dogwish maximize his advantage in there? I'd like to begin with the mental toughness. On a night like this, mental toughness is everything. Now, one of the one of the things that anybody would want to admire about um, Robaisi Ramirez is the fact that he started his career on a jerky note. Jerky note in the sense that he lost his first professional bout, and this was to Adam Gonzalez. This was in August of 2019. Now, the good thing for him is that a year later, almost a year later, he came in and defeated, you know, the the same Adam Gonzalez who uh, started off his career on a rough note for him. And for me, that shows great mental toughness. Since then, he has never tasted defeat. And so on a good night, Robaisi Ramirez could be very sharp on his left, the left that you know, um, sometimes gets him to be a troublesome fellow or a troublesome, you know, customer in the ring. Um, his movement can be very swift as well. And when you put all of these things together, you'd realize that on a good night, Robaisi Ramirez can sell a very good fight to the fans. Do remember that he's a Southpaw. Now, going around Southpaws also becomes a bit of a tough one for... Um, orthodox-oriented uh, boxers. And so he brings in everything that an opponent can bring that can create some amount of a challenge for any boxer. So he's bringing a lot to the table. There is no doubt about that. But for me, it is his mental toughness and where he's placed his mind. He is very direct and very focused on what he wants to achieve with this particular uh, you know about this particular encounter because it is going to redefine his career and so it will be a big deal for him if he wins because he hasn't been there before he's not won a world title before and he's less experienced than isaac Dobie as well so when you put all of these together you'd realize that it is a big day and a do or die affair as we like to put it in local parlance in ghana so um he is 
very much a big threat on any night. Yeah, Nat Robesi is an Olympic medalist. His two Olympic gold medals speak a lot about the kind of quality he's got. What are some of the strong hidden attributes opponents sometimes have been blind to? So with this one, I would like to refer to um, statements made in the four-part series of uh, In Camp with Isaac Dugwe. Now, it's clear that everybody is aligned on what Isaac Dugwe should do in the ring against Rabaisi Ramirez to ensure success. But over the period, we have seen some of the moments of weakness shown by Isaac Dugwe, some of them being issues of his defense, and I believe that these are things that have been worked on very, very seriously. Isis, because being in the camp and seeing his training regimen, I did realize that there was a lot of focus on keeping him to keep his alertness throughout. Every time the bell goes for the start of a round, that becomes very, very important. I say this because um, in conversations with his head trainer, um, he, he said it that there were times when you thought Isaac would, you know, just slip his focus a little bit. And that happens with every boxer. It happens with every athlete. And so at this time, you're digging deep into yourself, throwing away all the possible distractions in the ring on the night and making sure that your focus is on ensuring that you're scoring enough points on your opponent and making sure that you are getting yourself in a position to neutralize him as much as possible and probably get him down. So for me, it is about keeping the focus, um, keeping the alertness and keeping the defensive guards always up. Defensive guards meaning his swerving. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC and generally the blocking of the punches that he can block and in a in a in a moment like that or on a night like this being clean and safe is always the best way to go and that's why i'm always caught referring to the legendary floyd mayweather jr because in terms of defense i believe that he is one person who is a great master class in terms of defense as well, I would want to refer to Saul Canelo Alvarez, but for the loss to Floyd Mayweather Jr., he would have been probably a bigger legend. But what is important here is that um, he's got very good head movement, and that is one thing that can be adopted. We're saying all of these and referring to all of these names because these are people who have given us the proof. But beyond that, it all behoves on Isaac to put up his own craft um, exhibit it, live it, and ensure that he 
um, keeps himself clean and puts the attack to Robaisi Ramirez to ensure that the result comes in the way he's looking for it and the way every Ghanaian is looking for it. Now to be bringing us every bit of uh, the updates uh, in from the U.S. where the bout is going to be taking place. Thank you very much, Asanel. Nathaniel Lato is in the U.S. for the big bouts between Isaac Dogbe and Ramirez. So far as Ghana is concerned, we'll look forward to more coming up from you, Nat. And thank you very much for your show for now. Formula One next. Right. He's been under pressure throughout. He had to overtake Fernando Alonso after losing the lead at the start. But he comes out of the final corner as the first driver to see the flag for the fifth time in Formula One. Sergio Perez wins. It's Perez on top at the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. It's a Red Bull 1-2. But who's your championship leader? The answer across the line is Max Verstappen, who takes the final lap on the last tour to maintain the championship lead by taking the bonus point for fastest lap. Perez with the win, Verstappen with the championship lead. And yes, Red Bull heads to Melbourne as the favourite following dominant performances both in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. But the team has only once managed to score a race win at the Albert Park during its near two-decade stint in Formula 1. Ferrari Charles Leclerc won the last edition of the Australian Grand Prix in 2022 and will be hoping to repeat that result this year after struggling compared to both Red Bull and Aston Martin drivers in the opening two flyaway races of the season. Let's get a bit of analysis right now. We're joined by a Formula One expert, Raymond Nyamadu. Thank you, Raymond, for your time on the show. In, in the last two seasons, Red Bull have been on a roll, dominating the grid with drivers and constructors' titles. Now, this season as well, they have finished one and two in both races, but Australia has always remained a boogie ground for Red Bull. So, well, what can we expect? You know, a different podium over the weekend, or will their Albert Park case continue? Well, I think that this weekend would be interesting. And you look at the fact that an extra well, for DRS zone has been added, that would definitely play into the hands of Red Bull. They have massive DRS dominance, and you can't put it past them. They would definitely be in the mix when it comes to, you know, those overtakings or trying to actually make sure the real pace of that Red Bull car is, is, is felt. I think that they would be hoping that this could be that season where they finally break that hoodoo. And so everything is pointing towards a Red Bull victory. And we also talk about the fact that we haven't seen Mercedes, we haven't seen uh, Ferrari actually at their best. So again, it's quite a very tricky one. We don't know exactly what they are coming up with. We've heard Mercedes talk about the fact that they've gone back to the workshop. They seem to be liking what they are seeing despite the fact that the concept of their car this season has been flawed. Uh, you also talk about Red Bull, uh, Ferrari and their reliability issues. And I mean, the chasing pack clearly don't have what it takes to match the raw pace or the speed of that Red Bull car. So uh, quite an interesting weekend awaits us. But you talk about that midfield and you talk about Alpine. I think Alpine have been OK. They've been decent enough. Ocon, Pierre Gasly. They've been decent. They've been in with some points in there. So it's looking very much like they they, they could be in with a shout. You also talk about um, Alfa Romeo. You talk about Valtteri Bottas, who's a seasoned campaigner, a very experienced campaigner. I think that he would be the man Alfa Romeo would be looking forward to, to actually, you know, cause, you know, get them get, get them into the points. I think that Zhu hasn't really started well, but he could get better as the season progresses. So I think that for this weekend, I'm looking at Team Alpine and, and Valtteri Bottas Alfa Romeo. You talk about Haas, Magnussen, Halkenberg. They have also been good, but I think that um, they don't have too much in their tank to be able to unseat Alpine and Alfa Romeo. And then you talk about William, uh, Albon, and uh, American Sergeant. I think that um, it's 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 not coming really well for uh, Team Williams. And so uh, going into this weekend, it, 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 it looks very much like having seen Aston Martin leave that midfield. <laughs> We're now left with Alpine and Alfa Romeo. I think that they would be favourites to actually occupy top spots this weekend. And you never know; they could possibly be even in, on, the, on the podium because of you know the dynamics of that circuit and how almost every team could struggle this weekend. It's almost like there could be the non-existence of a midfield even going into this race because we might see Red Bull and the rest. So it will be quite difficult to predict which team really would be finishing 
on the podium together with Red Bull. But I still think that we're going to see Red Bull finish another one too. And possibly, possibly, we might just see uh, Mercedes, you know, smuggle their way onto the podium. It looks very much so. Meanwhile, Albert Park has been the hunting ground for Ferrari. No team has more wins than the Scudera. And last year, Charles Leclerc won from pole. However, they have had a difficult start to 2023. And will that seemingly goodwill in Australia be the spark they need? For Team Ferrari, it's been quite a difficult start to their season. Uh, you look at how this last season ended for them. Binotto left, uh, Vasseur came in. You would always expect that once a new man comes in, it will take quite a bit of time for things to settle in pretty well. But I think that you look at Binotto's era and how Ferrari used to construct their cars. They went for fast cars, cars with pure peace. And you could always tell that if any car was going to be the fastest on the circuit, it was definitely going to be a Ferrari. But you look at how things have changed. and. Vassell will definitely come in with different ideas because you look at when Mercedes had fast cars, they had reliability issues, strategy, team strategy errors caused them a lot. So you would actually expect that thing to change. You look at this SF23 and you would actually say having a new man in charge with a different approach, with a different direction, you would have a bit more reliability. But those reliability issues from last season have come back again to hunt this Ferrari team. That has been their problem this season. You look at last season when uh, by the first half of the season, each driver, I mean, both drivers had not finished the races twice. On two occasions, they had not finished races. And it, it was quite strange looking at how reliability uses really made Ferrari struggle last season. So I think that they still have a lot of work to do on that car. Interestingly, apart from their reliability issues this season, that car is not very fast. Carlos Sainz has been complaining. Charles Leclerc has been complaining. It's quite clear that having changed the concept of the car or having decided to focus a bit more on reliability issues rather than the real pace or the raw pace of the car has cost Team Ferrari. And so it's going to be very difficult for them going into this weekend. But uh, you haven't seen the man Charlie Clerc retire in Bahrain, come back, taking that great penalty in Jeddah and still managing to finish behind Mercedes, um, Alonso's, um, Aston Martin, and Red Bull. It's quite a long way for Ferrari to go this season. I think that they've been decent. Science has been decent enough. But I still think that Ferrari have bigger problems. I don't think we'll see their dominance in Australia this weekend because they still have a bit of sorting out to do. And you talk about the, the true pace or the real pace of that car. That car is not fast. And I don't know how fast they can get it to move going into this weekend's race. I think that when we saw Charles Leclerc last season with blistering pace on that circuit, everybody expected that, yes, that was the car that was going to challenge uh, Red Bull. But that didn't happen in the course of the season because of reliability issues. Once Ferrari have not been able to deal with those reliability issues, I think that this is a race they are not going to win. This is a race they might struggle to, 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 to make a podium finish. So for me, I'm not writing them off. But I think that they still need some time to sort out their car and especially their reliability issues. Ray, the last time Fernando Alonso finished the season with two podiums was in 2014, but already he has two the season in the first two races. He seems to have really come to life in the Aston Martin. He has only one Australian Grand Prix win back in 2006. And with this form, what are the mistakes he should be looking to avoid so he can grab a second? Fernando Alonso and his Aston Martin team have been fantastic this season. I think that you won't take anything away from them. They have the second fastest car on the circuit this season. And that EMR23 has been good. I think that there's been a lot of talk about the fact that it looks very much like the Red Bull 19. Uh, it looks uh, like the team actually copied that Red Bull car. That has been dismissed by Alonso. But you look at the resemblance, you know, the look of that car. It looks very much like the RB19. Uh, despite the fact that it has a Mercedes engine and a Mercedes gearbox. But that said, I think that going into this weekend's race, we are going to see this particular car struggle. And I say they could struggle because uh, going into the season, we saw Aston Martin trade off uh, the downforce for drag. And so we all know the effect of drag when, you have, when we have a lot of straights, when we have a lot of long straights, it tends to slow down the car. And so in terms of raw pace, uh, team Aston Martin could be lacking this weekend because of 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The medium to high downforce required on that circuit. And this is a circuit that really rewards high downforce. And so uh, this could be one of those circuits where this Aston Martin car would really be tested. But let's not take anything away from two-time champion Fernando Alonso. He knows how to drive. And so regardless of whatever challenges uh, the aerodynamics could pose, I think that he should be able to navigate his way around it pretty well. In terms of talking about a podium finish for Aston Martin this weekend, it could be tough, especially knowing the limitation they have when it comes to the aerodynamics of the car. I think that they've gone for raw pace, and this is not a circuit that really would be more than enough for you know cars that have a lot more power. And so I think that this is one race that we are expecting Alonso to give it a go. We are expecting Lance Stroll to also complement his efforts pretty well. But I wouldn't be surprised if Aston Martin falls short. I think that this season, some cars will perform better on certain circuits and others would also perform better on certain circuits. So I think it's going to be a, be a very tricky one for the AMR23, especially because of um, that trade-off between uh, downforce and drag, you know, that, that sacrificing more downforce for drag. I think that that's going to be their biggest Achilles heel this weekend. But we'll see how things pan out. I think Fernando Alonso is a formidable driver, but I won't be surprised if um, Alonso and his team are not able to replicate the form we've seen in the early two races of the season. Australia features the DRS zones, meaning more room for overtaking. Red Bull will be licking their lips considering all the speed they have gathered under that floor of RB19. So let's look beyond them. Which of the midfield teams could be taking advantage in Australia? Well, I think that this weekend would be interesting. And you look at the fact that an extra well, four DRS zone has been added. That would definitely play into the hands of Red Bull. They have massive DRS dominance and you can't put it past them. They would definitely be in the mix when it comes to, you know, those overtakings or trying to actually make sure the real pace of that Red Bull car is, is, is felt. I think that they would be hoping that this could be that season where they finally break that hoodoo. And so everything is pointing towards a Red Bull victory. And we also talk about the fact that we haven't seen Mercedes, we haven't seen uh, Ferrari actually at their best. So again, it's quite a very tricky one. We don't know exactly what they are coming up with. We've heard Mercedes talk about the fact that they've gone back to the workshop. They seem to be liking what they are seeing despite the fact that the concept of their car this season has been flawed. Uh, you also talk about Red Bull, uh, Ferrari and their reliability issues. And I mean, the chasing pack clearly don't have what it takes to match the raw pace or the speed of that Red Bull car. So uh, quite an interesting weekend awaits us. But you talk about that midfield and you talk about Alpine. I think Alpine have been okay. They've been decent enough. Ocon, Pierre Gasly, they've been decent. They've been in with some points in there. So it's looking very much like they, they, they could be in with a shout. You also talk about um, Alfa Romeo, you talk about Valtteri Bottas, who's a seasoned campaigner, a very experienced campaigner. I think that he would be the man Alfa Romeo would be looking forward to, to actually, you know, cause, you know, get them get, get them into the points. I think that Zhu hasn't really started well, but he could get better as the season progresses. So I think that for this weekend, I'm looking at Team Alpine and, and Valtteri Bottas, Alfa Romeo. You talk about Haas, Magnussen, Halkenberg, they have also been good, but I think that um, they don't have too much in their tank to be able to unseat Alpine and Alfa Romeo. And then you talk about William, uh, Albon, and the uh, American sergeant. I think that um, it's, 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 it's not coming really well for uh, Team Williams. And so uh, going into this weekend, it, 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 it looks very much like having seen Aston Martin leave that midfield, we're now left with Alpine and Alfa Romeo. I think that they would be favorites to actually occupying top spots this weekend and you never know they could possibly be even in on the on the podium because of you know the dynamics of that circuit and how almost every team could struggle this weekend it's almost like there could be the non-existence of a midfield even 
going into this race because we might see Red Bull and the rest. So it will be quite difficult to predict which team really would be finishing on the podium together with Red Bull. But I still think that we're going to see Red Bull finish another one too. And possibly, possibly, we might just see uh, Mercedes, you know, smuggle their way onto the podium. It looks very much so. Thank you very much, Raymond, for your time. Raymond Yamado is our Formula One expert and brought us some analysis. We, we cannot get to football and talk some more. Let's begin from Spain. Great games lined up. Real Madrid playing catch-up at the moment right there. Barcelona leaving no stone unturned in the title charge. And many stories, including Madrid boss Carlo Ancelotti being linked to the Brazil job at the minute. Joining us for some insights ahead of the weekend's fixtures, there's a Spanish football expert and Real Betis reporter, David Whitworth. Thank you very much, Dave, for your time. And before we delve into the complex fixtures to come in La Liga this weekend, just a word on Spain at the moment. Great win at the start of the Euro qualifiers, but indeed a shock defeat to Scotland at Hamden Park. How are fans back home digesting this? Well, it was a mixed bag for Luis de la Fuente, the coach of Spain, against both Norway and Scotland. It was a 3-0 win for La Roja against Norway in La Rosaleda in Malaga. It was a, a comfortable performance in the end, but Spain made hard work of it. And the scoreline kind of glossed over the fact that there were some teething problems there with this new look Spain. The Spain that are playing now with a 4-2-3-1 formation with Rodri and Mikel Marino of Real Sociedad as the two in midfield and the likes of Iago Aspas and uh, Fabian Ruiz getting more game time, Danny Ceballos Tambien and Jose Lu who is uh, performing very very well in La Liga with uh, Espanyol doing very very well this season but there was a lot of teething problems in that first game and it showed because in the second game against Scotland, it was a comfortable 2-0 win for the Scots at Hampden Park. 2-0 is normally a dangerous scoreline, but not in this game because Scotland were absolutely full credit for, for the three points. They were full of heart, full of passion, tenacity, closing every challenge down, tactically astute, well-organised and thoroughly deserved the three points and left Spain with a lot of answers going forward. Already in Spain here, there's a few murmurings of discontent from supporters, from the media, about what they've seen the last two games. Obviously, it's too early to, to, to discuss whether they've made the wrong choice in the manager, but certainly it's a difficult start for Luis de la Fuente and on the back of uh, overall, a very, very good uh, a couple of years with Luis Enrique. He has to hit the ground running. And obviously, he's changing his thoughts for uh, for his La Roja team, going from a 4-3-3 formation, with, which was more the tiki-taki football of, of Barcelona, obviously coming from Luis Enrique to a more attack-minded, crosses coming in 4-2-3-1 formation, as I previously said. So... There's a lot of work in progress there for Spain and it was a bad defeat for the Spaniards because although they had a lot of possession as they normally do, it was what they did in front of goal which was the most important thing and they couldn't get the ball in the net. They got the crosses in but there was no end product which is obviously in football the goals change games and for all the attacking prowess that they showed Spain came away with defeat and with a lot of questions to answer going forward. Dave, let's get into La Liga Popa, the title race to come shortly, but there are some very interesting fixtures with Atletico versus Real Betis and Villarreal versus Real Sociedad on the cards and so much reading on this too. Well, Atletico de Madrid versus Real Betis and Villarreal versus Real Sociedad are the two highlight matches in match day 27 in La Liga. Two big games on the horizon for La Liga fans to save and enjoy. Firstly, Atletico Madrid versus Betis, two teams that are gonna be in and around the Champions League positions come the end of the season. Atletico in a good run of form, 10 games unbeaten under Diego Simeone. 
Betty similar, six games unbeaten with Manuel Pellegrini, Pellegrini that has never beaten Diego Simeone in 10 attempts, whilst Betty saw in Malaga and Villarreal, so there's an itch that needs to be scratched for, for Betty's uh, supporters and for the manager himself. It should be a, a tight, tense affair. These matches between the two teams, they're not more, normally a lot of goals, and it normally favours the home team uh, when it comes to the, uh, the matches between the two. But it promises to be a great match. A big miss for Betis will be Nabil Fakir. He's out for the season with a crucial ligament injury. Um, and in terms of Atletico, they're fighting on all fronts and and very much fit in their ranks. They'll be looking for the likes of Griezmann and Alvaro Morata, who's their talisman this season with important goals to keep them in the third position. But it promises to be a, a great match between the two. Then you have Villarreal versus Real Sociedad. Again, two teams that are going to be in the European places. It's just which competition. Villarreal having to adjust since Unai Emery left to go to Aston Villa in the Premier League. They've got Kike Setien in, who is well-versed in La Liga, has got a lot of experience with the likes of Real Betis and the season at Barcelona as well. Very stylish uh, team that he normally plays, plays attacking, swashbuckling football. They've had a mixed bag this season. They started uh, with a, a run of defeats, but now they've got their form back. And at home, they're starting to make it a fortress at uh, the Estadio de la Ceramica again. And with Real Sociedad, a team that have performed very, very well, a team that are similar to, to Betis and Villarreal, they've got a, a style and a manager that has been there for a few years. Certainly with Betis and Real Sociedad, the identity has been there for the last three, four seasons and they've gradually improved and improved and improved and with the likes of Yathabal and David Silva pulling the strings as he always does in every team. Such a classy, classy player he's been for, for many years with Manchester City and with Valencia as well, previously in La Liga. He's been the dynamo that's been helping Real Sociedad secure what will be a, a deserved Champions League place but uh, it's going to be a very very interesting battle between the two because there's a lot at stake as we head into the business end of the season. Barcelona running away with the title especially after the classical win they face Elche in what's expected to be an upstairs downstairs game. Is it going to be more of the same for Barcelona? Well, George, it's a case of David versus Goliath this weekend in La Liga as Elche will square off against Barcelona. It's top against bottom. And you would think that the winner would be Barcelona and with a comfortable performance. But there's something called the FIFA virus that after an international break, sometimes a little bit leggy. Some teams are not firing on all cylinders. Some players have still got their head in international mode. And I've seen time and time again in all major competitions throughout Europe that there's normally one surprise result that you think, I did not expect that coming when the first round of fixtures come after an international break. Will it be this one? I doubt it, famous last words, but you never know. There will be one in Europe, so for listeners, check out that one result. Barcelona have got a 12-point gap in La Liga, hurtling towards the La Liga title for the first time in four years against the LJ team that are all but down. They're playing for pride, but they've improved recently, and certainly at home as well. They'll be looking forward to the challenge of Barcelona, and it promises to be an interesting game between the David and the Goliath. Let's stay with Barcelona for a bit. And Bori Fati, the father of Barcelona forward, Anzu Fati, has delivered a punchy interview, questioning his son's lack of playing time while hinting as a pot while hinting at a possible move away. How serious are these threats? One of the biggest controversies of the week in La Liga has been the interview played on a major Spanish radio station last night, which was with Anzu Fati's father. And he was basically calling out all the Barcelona directors and including the manager, Xavi, about his son's lack of game time, 
the way that his son's been treated after the injuries that he's had, not being given the respect or the acknowledgement that he deserves. It was a, a full-on interview that he gave Frank, an honest assessment, in co- according to him, about what's been happening at Can Barcelona. Antu Fati's had a difficult time the last 12 months, 18 months, with a, a, a serious injury, coming back from that, trying to uh, reintegrate into the team, taking Lionel Messi's fabled 10 shirt, which was no mean challenge to, uh, to take. And it's a feeling that we know that there's a quality player there. It's just a case of bringing the ingredients together like a topping of a pizza. But certainly the injury is a suffered. Uh, Ansu Fati has given him a major setback. And um, yeah, according to his dad, he's not happy. And he said in, in, in a quote, if his son continues, not, continues to not have game time, he'd be willing to tell him to, to leave and, and search other clubs. For instance, Sevilla, where he came from. Uh, when he was 13, he signed for Barcelona from Sevilla. So uh, very uh, full-on and frank interview given on, uh, on a Spanish radio station recently. Dave, uh, finally, Ancelotti has been heavily linked with a vacant Brazil managerial post in recent months. And although he has long dismissed the speculation, things have ramped up during the international break. Real Madrid's Carlo Ancelotti has played down uh, the rumours that he's set to be appointed the new Brazil manager. But what are the subplots to this? Yes, there could be a major managerial merry-go-round, let's say, in La Liga and beyond. A big news of the week is the Real Madrid coach, Carlo Ancelotti, being linked with the Brazil national team. Now, they've been looking for a coach since the World Cup when Chiche left his position back in January. Uh, the place is still uh, available to the lucky, let's say, applicant. And according to the Brazil FA, they're looking for one man and one man in particular, and that is Mr. Carlo Ancelotti. It ticks boxes for them because he would be a person who com- completely commands respect. He already uh, presides over various uh, Brazilian players at Real Madrid, for instance, uh, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, and he's looked out for the likes of Casimiro in the past who've played under Carlo Ancelotti. And I think for Ancelotti, it would be an attractive proposition. If he decides not to continue at Real Madrid, it would be a great job for him to take. A Brazilian national team manager role is very, very uh, juicy. And certainly the fact that Italy have got Roberto Mancini at the moment means that there's no vacancy there coming anytime soon. I think it's an obvious dream that Ancelotti would love to manage uh, the Italian national football team before he retires. But that position is with Mancini at the moment. And I think he has a contract locked in for another two years. So why not go to Brazil and maybe enjoy a Copa America or even lead the team to the World Cup in 2026? So according to reports in Brazil, uh, Ancelotti is the number one choice for the Brazilian FA. They're willing to wait until the end of the season. And also they've had talks with Kaká and Ronaldo, who have dealings with La Liga clubs, about trying to convince him to come to Brazil. Kaká could be the new sporting director, director of football of Brazil, and played with Ancelotti for many years at AC Milan. The same with Ronaldo and at Real Madrid. Uh, he's the president of Real Valladolid, so obviously there's a long link there with, with the two La Liga clubs. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think the ball is with Ancelotti if he decides to continue. If Real Madrid win the Champions League this season, then it could be the perfect goodbye to, to Real Madrid and step into the, to the Brazil role. So it's one to keep your eyes out for, the Ancelotti to Brazil uh, bandwagon of uh, Brazil could be a, a possible move in the summer. David Withwell is a Spanish football expert and joined us for some analysis from Seville. Italian Serie then and we can get a line or two from our specialist, our stream Sicho, Philip. Uh, thanks, Sicho, for your time joining us. Look, uh, which are the top five games to keep an eye on this weekend in Italy? Yeah, hi, George. The Serie A returns from the international break. It should be exciting. All of us are looking forward to it. It's... Uh, 
it's the last stretch to the end of the season. No more distractions uh, from, from international football. The only distraction then will be for the team that are in Europe and some of the cup games. So we are looking forward to it. Look, this weekend, the five games that you, I think that lovers of Syria are should look forward to. Uh, I'd rather have love to save this one I'm about to mention for the last because it's the best for the last. But I'll go with it first because it would have a ripple effect on other games that are going to be played and how the table could, could, could shape up. So I'll start with the game, obviously, when you look at the fixtures to watch, would be Napoli and AC Milan. These days, when Napoli takes to the pitch, it is that they are favourites for the fixture. But the point then is, when they play, these two teams play in the first round, Napoli at a time were the better side, but Milan were just the Napoli were the better team in the league, but Milan were the better team on the day. And Napoli just won it only narrowly, just narrowly. So Milan will be confident they can get the better of Napoli. Milan love to play some of these big games. They've got a knack and a character for it. However, Milan are coming into this fixture with a poor run of form. They've not won a game in their last three games. They 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 was one-one against uh Salonetana. They, they lost their more recent game again, Udine. And, and before them against Fiorentina, here they are playing against the most informed team, arguably, in Europe. So that is a very difficult game. But it's a dress rehearsal for these two sides ahead of the Champions League quarter final. I just fancy that Napoli are going to win this one. But the reason I said this first has a ripple effect on the games that are to come is the positions of the league. Napoli's position is safe, for sure. But Milan, if they do not get results coming into this game, that this next fixture, could have an impact on it. Cremonese play against Atalanta. Cremonese playing against Atalanta, obviously, Cremonese haven't been great. Atalanta are favorite to win. If Atalanta do win this game, and Milan, Atalanta are playing uh, uh, earlier in the day, so on Saturday, so if they do win that game, it takes them above Milan, even before Milan plays against Napoli. So Milan need to win to get back up there. So I suspect Atalanta are going to beat Cremonese. But the ripple effect of that fixture would mean that if Milan do not win, Atalanta are going to climb up and above them, surely. And, and Milan are going to drop in, in, out of the top four. Then the other game as well is Roma and then Sampdoria. A game to keep an eye on because of, again, Champions League places. Roma have got a chance to climb above Milan, depending upon the results of that Napoli and Milan game. Roma play against Sampdoria. Roma will need to bounce back from that defeat against Lazio. And I fancy Roma that Roma are going to win. And, and what will make this game even more exciting is the, 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 the fact that they will know that Milan are playing Napoli when they are done playing. For Sampdoria, they will need to win to get themselves out of that drop zone because it isn't looking too good for them. Then there's also Inter Milan and Fiorentina. Fiorentina coming into this game with a rich vein of form, having won their last three games. Inter, though, have not won in their more recent game. They lost to, Inter, they lost to uh, Juventus, they lost to Spazia, they are not playing well. So Fiorentina's rich form could, could be what could put Inter in, in, in an immense pressure going in, in this fixture. But in this fixture as well, Inzaghi is under some pressure. A lot of his top stars are not playing well. We've seen Lukaku is not in great shape. Latore Martinez goals are dried up. Jekyll is not scoring anymore. Uh, Nicolo Barella is looking a bit tired. He's not playing well. Hakan Chahanoglu is not playing well. So there are massive problems for Inter Milan to fix. They can't afford to take this fixture to three games without a victory. Because even though they are in third place, they are not far off from dropping off that top four. Then you look at the other game that should be exciting. It's Sassuolo Torino. Not because of if you like Champions League places, but they said neck neck or neck. Torino are in 11th place, Sassuolo in 12th place. And so there's one point between them. And these two sides play some exciting brand of football. So if you want to watch Serie A and enjoy it, that could be one of the games to keep an eye on. The fact that Sassuolo could go up and above uh, Torino and to an extent Bologna or even to an extent Fiorentina makes it all the exciting prospects coming into this one. And obviously for the game for Juventus's game where they play against Hellas Verona, Juve are still, they believe they can make the top four. When you look at the inconsistency of Milan, Roma, Inter, to an extent Atalanta, why would Juve not feel like they can make the top four? And they are at home this weekend against um, um, Hellas Verona. So the odds are very much in their favor. I think Juve can go on and win that game. But they would need to, uh, uh, and the thing about Juve is they don't need to always play well to win. They can play ugly and win. They can dig in deep and win. And I have a feeling they will show that, that kind of character coming into this fixture. So yeah, I think these are the games to look out for. The Milan, uh, Napoli, Milan, the Juventus, Hellas, Verona, Inter Milan, Fiorentina, Roma, Sampdoria. Then you've got Sassuolo, Torino. And then just uh, tip it off with the Cremonese Atalanta because of how the top four could shape up.
Joy Sports will keep you across the action all weekend and you can make a date for that as well. Thank you, Sicho, for your time on the show. And it's now time for the latest from Germany's domestic football league, the Bundesliga. And for that, we're joined by Chris Harrington from, from our partner, DW uh, in Berlin. Chris, you mentioned Bayern Dortmund clash earlier in the week. Let's revisit the kickoff scheduled for Saturday. Exactly right. Kind of occurred like a thief in the night. You know, uh, Nagelsmann, when you look at the record, of course, they're looking up at Borussia Dortmund right now in the standings only by merely a point. But in the Champions League, Nagelsmann, you know, is doing well. They got uh, beyond PSG and Mbappe, and then they have Man City. No one saw this coming. You know, Nagelsmann, a young man taking over the, a big name in the coaching world. Back in 2021, he cost Bayern a record 25 million euros, the most ever spent on a coach. You know, the expectations were really high, but there are a lot of rumbles going on. The sporting director himself said, alleged, that Nagelsmann had lost the locker room. You know, I had mentioned earlier that a mole had exposed some tactics Nagelsmann wanted to employ, you know, when he saw uh, teams with different sets and so forth. That's another strike. And then, you know, Nagelsmann's personal life also upset the locker room. Those are some of the reports coming out of some of the media. Nagelsmann, you know, reportedly left his wife and is now dating a journalist. That's one reason that uh, the brass at Bayern maybe consider him a distraction. He maybe has gone Hollywood. You know, uh, as uh, those might say, that's actually an old nickname of uh, Bayern Munich, FC Hollywood. You know, thinking you're too big, you know, for the uh, expectations of the game plan in front of you. You know, but in terms of the locker room noise, him losing the locker room, some players say he he had done that, Gnabry and uh, Leroy Sané, but other players have recently come out and kind of backing Nagelsmann, saying that's not true in uh, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. So there's a lot there to unpack, but uh, in terms of Thomas Tuchel, you know, he was actually um, a wanted replacement uh, for Bayern Munich prior to Julian Nagelsmann coming over at Bayern Munich, but it didn't work out. Uh, Tuchel, obviously, at PSG. That was one reason that Bayern said they went with Tuchel. They credited his work at Paris Saint-Germain, but obviously he butted heads with uh, players as well as management there as well, but uh, it comes down to Nagelsmann in a phone call to the sporting director in Brass, a short phone call that ended in his exit, and uh, now he's going to look for a new job. Chris, the standings are tight in the upper half. What other matches could impact the standings? Well, he'll definitely have the pressure on his shoulders. You know, his first debut is what they call Der Klassiker here in Germany. It's Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, arguably, you know, the most competitive, the most watched fixture in all of the Bundesliga. Thomas Tuchel, a former coach at Borussia Dortmund, so there's that bit of history, you know. But um, in terms of him butting heads, yeah, Thomas Tuchel butted heads at Dortmund. That's why he was no longer there. He butted heads at Chelsea. That's why he's no longer there. And uh, if you listen to some players, he's butted heads with them. Christian Pulisic, a current player at Chelsea, feels like Thomas Tuchel can't be trusted. You know, so uh, obviously you can't satisfy everyone. You know, that even goes for a coach, you know, at any time, at every top club, I'd have to say. But in terms of his immediate impact, he's really going to have to pick up uh, three points, I think, if he's going to really want to win over, you know, um, everyone, all of the fan base at Bayern Munich, because everyone was taken by surprise. I mean, I, they thought Nuthi and uh, Julian Nagelsmann was the guy because Bayern put that record investment behind him. Now that's no longer the case. Right now, Dortmund, as I mentioned earlier, with just one point in the standings, Thomas Tuchel will be looking to extend that to four points without question, and they're going to have to put up quite the performance because coming off that uh, defeat to Leverkusen in the Bundesliga, can, can allowing two penalties with their new goalkeeper, obviously there's a lot of work to be done with Thomas Tuchel learning his new team, but uh, we'll have to see. I'm looking forward to the kickoff on Saturday. Thank you very much for the Bundesliga updates. Chris Harrington from our partner station, DW, in Berlin, Germany. It's now time for the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. As always, I had a great chat with my colleague, John Bennett, and I'm very sure you're going to enjoy this one.
Thank you very much, John, for time on the show. Club football is back after the international break. There's some huge matches, including Manchester City versus Liverpool, which games across Europe are catching your eye. Hi, George. Great to speak to you again. Yeah, some amazing games to welcome back club football. Not only Manchester City, Liverpool, you've got Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, Napoli against AC Milan, so that's the team that will be champions this year against last season's champions. Two of the biggest clubs in France meet, Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon. You've also got Atletico Madrid and Real Betis, so some huge games. Yeah, I think the two for me would be Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, obviously the Thomas Tuchel factor. He's in charge of Bayern Munich now, he's taken over from Julian Nagelsmann. Borussia Dortmund, his former club, he had a big falling out with the hierarchy there at Borussia Dortmund when he left. And Borussia Dortmund are top at the moment. They're one point clear of Bayern Munich at the, at the top of the table. So it's a huge game for Bayern Munich. I know that the Borussia Dortmund head coach um, has said that Thomas Tuchel won't have had much time with the players to kind of get his ideas across. I think that's a good point because I think the, the players really only had one training session on Friday when they were all there after returning from the international break. So that's going to be really tough for Tuchel, but I still think Bayern Munich have a great chance in that game. Manchester City-Liverpool, we're used to it being a title race clash, aren't we? But but I still think the pressure is on for both teams. City have to win to keep up with the pace with Arsenal in the title race. Liverpool, no room for error for them now as they try to get to the top four. So, yes, it's not a title race clash, but I, I, I do think it's still absolutely unmissable. Arsenal are looking to maintain their lead and ultimately win the Premier League for the first time since 2004 but have Manchester City chasing them at the moment. With respect to the remaining games, which side has the easier of games in your opinion? Yeah, we're getting to that time of the season, aren't we, where we assess who has the uh, the easiest run-in or easier run-in. I, I think that Arsenal's run-in is tougher. I mean, you look at their next games. Leeds, they should win this weekend at home. But then it's Liverpool away. West Ham away, yes West Ham are playing poorly but they're fighting for their lives right now so that's going to be tough. They've got Southampton at home, that should be a game they can win. Then it's the big one against Manchester City away from home, then they've got Chelsea, then they've got Newcastle, then they've got Brighton and their final two games are against Nottingham Forest who are really good at home and Wolves who may be involved in a relegation fight. So. For me, that is a really tough run-in for Arsenal. As for, for Manchester City, it's difficult to see where they'll drop points. I think they will drop points at some stage. It always happens. But I, I, looking at the fixture list, you struggle to see where it could happen. It could happen against Liverpool this weekend. Uh, but then they've got Southampton, who are struggling. They've got Leicester, who are struggling. Um, then it's the big one against Arsenal. Then they've got Fulham, who... I don't think we'll be as strong in this final part of the season. Then West Ham, but West Ham at home. Then Leeds, but Leeds at home. So they're at home against Leeds. They're at home against West Ham. Then they're away to Everton, home to Chelsea, away to Brentford. For me, Arsenal have a much tougher run in. You think about games against Brighton, Newcastle, Chelsea, Liverpool. It's it's a really, a Liverpool away from home. That is a really tough run in for Arsenal. It could make a huge difference. What's the latest at Tottenham after the sporting director's ban from being involved in football was extended from being only in Italy to being worldwide? Is the club in crisis because they also sacked their head coach, Antonio Conte, a few days ago? Well, the latest is, is that Tottenham are urgently seeking further clarification from football's world governing body, FIFA. This is after the news that uh, Fabio Paratici may have to step away from his role because FIFA extended his suspension to have worldwide effect. You'll remember he was given a 30-month ban from Italian football in January, so just Italian football. That's, that was after his former club Juventus were found guilty of false accounting. He was sporting director and managing director at Juve before joining Tottenham in June 2021. And Tottenham basically say that this decision by FIFA was taken with no advance notice to any of the parties involved. And worth saying that um, Paratici says he's done nothing wrong. He says he's innocent. Juventus also saying that as well. They've both appealed against FIFA's ruling. But it's, it's, it's more difficulties for Tottenham after the departure of Antonio Conte, which I think was the right decision. 
but now they've got a sporting director who possibly may have to step away from his role. It just does not look good. And if you're a player, maybe thinking about joining Tottenham. If you're a head coach, maybe thinking about joining Tottenham. It would give you second thoughts. Why would Julian Nagelsmann step into this situation? And also Harry Kane, they're trying to get him to sign a new contract. Why would he do that when the future of the club, that there's so many questions? So, yeah, not a good look at all for Tottenham. Yes, John, which games will you be keeping an eye on aside the big ones in the English Premier League? Well, there's a big game in the race for the top four. Newcastle in fifth hosting Manchester United, who are third. So that's massive in the race for the Champions League. But it's really the relegation games that I'll be following this weekend. Some huge matchups between some teams fighting relegation. So you've got Nottingham Forest and Wolverhampton Wanderers just above the bottom three. They meet at the city ground. Forest lost their last home game, didn't they, against Newcastle. But at home this season, they've been brilliant. Away from home, they've struggled. But I think that atmosphere at the city ground should help them against Wolves. I think they should win that one. Crystal Palace against Leicester City. Huge game at Selhurst Park. Roy Hodgson, the manager of Crystal Palace now until the end of the season. What impact will he have had? Word is from the training ground that things are really buzzing there since he took over. So tough game for Leicester City, that one. And then it's two more teams in the relegation battle. These two teams actually in the relegation zone. West Ham against Southampton. Huge game for David Moyes. If West Ham were to lose that game, well, David Moyes' future surely would be in huge, huge doubt. So, so those relegation games are the ones, George, that I'll really be keenly following. Finally, John Thomas Tuchel takes charge of Bayern Munich for the first time this weekend. Do you-